I followed Keith for years um, over my sales career, over my leadership career. I have stalked you. Um, I follow you. Like you're a mentor. You've been a mentor that even it took a while before you, you realized that you've been mentoring me. And you see that book right behind you, Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champion, just, said, um, just changed my my leadership life. Um, and I just want to thank you. Everybody that has spoken to me about sales or leadership, you would have heard me say Keith Rosen, right? Um, and this is the true meaning of really making an impact. Like because of you, I became a better salesperson. Because of you, I became a better leader. Um, and as a result of that, um, hopefully so many people um, have become better as well. So you can just see how your impact have just kind of trickled down and you're all the way far away somewhere and I'm in Ireland, right? Um, which just shows the impact of your work. And I just want to take this opportunity to really, really thank you for transforming my career and transforming my leadership and transforming the career and leadership of so many people that have come through me. And um, yeah, just thank you. So I'm just stuck, right? I'm no. so starstruck right now. So I'm just going to go back. Deeply my pleasure. And, and by the way, um, if, if we can eliminate the starstruck right now, if I walk downstairs and we could hang out with my family, because for some reason they think they need to humble me, I'm a pretty humble guy. And I'll never forget that when my, I have twins and they're, they're, you know, they're grown up, they're out of the house now. Uh, they're 11 years old. And no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're 17. And when my, when my youngest daughter uh, was about 11, we're sitting in the kitchen. I'll never forget what she said. So I have my oldest daughter and my twins and my youngest daughter is the tough one. So she, said, she looks at me and she says, dad, you know that when you married mom, you married up, right? I said, Yes, I do know that, but thank you for reminding me. <laughs> that is amazing, Keith. And yeah, similarly, look, I have a copy of the book as well. I saw Susan waving one there as well. I think anyone who's been coaching sales teams for a really long time, just to mirror Abby's words, this is the Bible, basically, you know, not to get religious or anything, but this is <laughs> something that everyone will recommend. Um, you I reach out. Post it, Starl. It's oh. not good, Keith. I refer <laughs> to it. That's the way, Susan. That's how the book is supposed to be used. Bookmarked, dog-eared, highlighted. It's called the playbook for a reason, right? <laughs> so we're so lucky, everyone on the call today, to have someone like Keith join us. And he's going to share some of his amazing wisdom with us. Um, but I just want to give you a little intro, Keith, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> I know you're a humble guy, but I think this deserves to be read out. So, um, Keith currently runs his own company called Profit Builders and he's executive coaching um, to, you know, all, all kinds of everybody from sales reps right up to top executives for the biggest firms um, in the world. He's been coaching since 1989. Um, and for, I'll just read some of these key facts for you all. So Inc. Magazine and Fast Company named Keith one of the five most influential executive coaches worldwide. Um, he's a pioneer of leadership coaching training and has delivered his courses to hundreds of thousands of managers in practically every industry on six continents and in over 75 countries. So if that doesn't blow your socks off, I don't know what will. And this particular book was the winner of five international best book awards and number one best-selling management coaching book on Amazon since 2008. So again, well done, Keith. And he's been featured in numerous um, different articles or written articles if from Entrepreneur to Inc. to Fortune to New York Times Magazine, the Wall Street Journal, and I could go on and on. So we are incredibly lucky to have such 
a wise man who's going to impart some wisdom with us today. And like, whilst we're talking sales, you also have books on owning your day, self-mastery, which I think are so powerful as well. So we'll touch on some of that. Um, so thank you for joining us. Oh, deeply my pleasure. Happy to be here with all your leaders. Yeah, and just for context, Keith, we have CSMs in the house. We have mm -hmm. SDRs, ADRs, AEs. Um, so quite a diverse um, team. So well, that's yeah. wonderful, Abby, because the one thing that everyone here has to master and the one collective mindset and skill set, regardless of your role, is coaching. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so important, and self mastery is a piece of that, right? So we we might start off on that yeah. topic. Sure. Um, you focus a lot on self-mastery and that inner game. What does it mean to master the inner game of self-management? Mm. So um, you can be the greatest salesperson. You can be the greatest manager in the world. But if you haven't mastered your life yourself, um, there are always going to be holes as you travel through to achieve your goals. And it's going to, you're going to be a hitting a challenge. And people struggle with time management on a good day. But now throughout this pandemic and we're living at home and we're you know, I'm blessed. I feel lucky. I have, you know, welcome to my home, my happy place, my office. Uh, some people are working in their bedroom. Some people are working in their kitchen. Some people working in their closet. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just not a, a physical change. It's, it's a mental change. And just to put it in perspective, I have this saying, and I think it's something we all need to stop and reflect on because it really tees up this, this conversation, which is, are you living at work or are you working at home? So if you stop and think about that, you know, are you at a point where if I asked you if you have your boundaries set, oh, Keith, what are you kidding me? Because I'm home, I'm getting emails all the time. I'm getting texts Friday night. I'm answering texts Friday night. I'm answering emails through the weekend. Companies have taken advantage of the fact that they perceive you guys have more time uh, and they forget that you also have a life and don't expect the company. And again, I say this to every company, guys, don't expect the company to be proactive and intentional to have these kind of conversations with you about how are you at home? Um, how are you being at home? How are you turning off work? How are you separating your personal responsibilities with your professional responsibilities? How are you honoring your, your priorities and your values? How are you making sure you turn off work so you can be present with the people that, that you love? No manager is asking those questions. And it's not their fault. It's because their leaders aren't asking their questions and their leaders aren't asking their questions. And the reason why I bring this up is if you're selling or managing um, or even trying to manage your time in your life the way you tried to do it two years ago, you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, the way managers managed two years ago and now remote has changed. The way salespeople are selling today has changed. If you're still selling the way you were selling two years ago, again, you know, your buyer's buying processes has changed. So, you know, going back to the to the inner game, uh, it, it's it's interesting because there's no playbook for managing through a pandemic. I mean, I created a couple of courses for you guys, uh, but there's no playbook for this. So managers are struggling. And when I have this conversation with them and say, listen, you know, you have your people there, 84% level of disengagement. It's the highest ever, okay? 
Um, your people are disengaged. They're feeling alone. They're feeling isolated. They're feeling depressed. Um, I mean, mental health and physical health has been impacted exponentially. Uh, I heard, I just read an article, 47% of people are now suffering from chronic back pain and shoulder pain because we're all in front of our computer because we're not taking care of ourselves. Self-care is the first thing that gets thrown out the window. And you wanna take care of your customers, you wanna take care of your direct reports, your peers, you gotta take care of you first. So when we're talking about time management, you know, it's I call it life, time and life mastery. And what I would always suggest is, uh, and, I, and I wish we could spend an hour on this, right? I always find it ironic that we don't have time to talk on time management, is break down your day from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep and set those boundaries in there for you, your personal time. No one else is going to do that because if you don't set your boundaries, everyone will always violate them. So it's up to you to say no. It's up to you to put your phone off uh, Friday night. It's up to you to turn your phone off on the weekends. And it's not like people are testing you purposely or your customers. It's just, listen, everyone wants something done yesterday. And it is up to you to be able to set that boundary. So uh, again, uh, I'll give you, and, and speaking more to this, and since we're on the subject, uh, I mentioned about conversations that have to change between salespeople and their customers, uh, managers and their directs. And what I'm about to share with you uh, is not just a conversation that I would implore you to have with, with your family, with people you're living with at home, but with your customers and with your peers and managers, with your, with your employees. And the conversation sounds like this, you know, hey, what I want for you guys is to be able to um, thrive in this remote environment and still feel connected, inspired and motivated to do your job. And I know it's been tough out there. I know I've been struggling with a lot of things, trying to balance my workload and, uh, I don't know, two new COVID puppies because we couldn't just get one. And, you know, I'm struggling on how to do this. And I bet you have some ideas that would help me. And I have some ideas that could help you. So I would love to have a conversation with you about what you're doing to best manage your day and manage your time and, and make sure you're still keeping your life a priority. So what I've done there, right there, everyone, it doesn't matter if you're in sales. It doesn't matter. That's a good communication strategy. What I just did is I enrolled you, okay? And I set positive intent. So if you're a salesperson, you're a manager, and you're approaching your prospects and you're approaching your customers, you need to set that positive intent before diving into that conversation. Because here's the thing. When intentions aren't clear, people default to fear, okay? So, you know, it's sort of like... Uh, uh, there you are, you know, you're a salesperson, you're working away, you're prospecting, and all of a sudden an email comes in uh, from, from a prospect, right? And in the subject line, it says, call me ASAP. And you're thinking, oh, no, man, I probably, what, you know, where do we go? We go to fear. We, oh, I, I lost this deal. Oh, I lost it to an incumbent. What did I do to mess up? And you finally muster the courage up to call the customer. And what do they say? Hey, listen, we just went through our process. Congratulations, you're the vendor of our choice. You didn't see that coming, did you? We never default to the positive. We default to the negative, especially today. So I want to go back to this enrollment conversation. So now we've teed this up with your peers, your directs, your customers. What are those? Then you ask those questions. What's working for you at home? Where are you struggling? How are you turning off work at the end of the day? How are you best balancing your work to be productive and still honor your priorities? And when I share this with managers and salespeople, you know, they look at me and say, Keith, I've never had this conversation before. I've, no one's ever had this conversation with me. And when I get to the manager's level, the first thing they say is, Keith, is this even HR compliant? 
Can I even have this conversation with my people? Because this sounds like a really personal conversation. Well, guess what? We've never lived in anyone's homes before. We're more intimate and connected with people than ever before. Your prospects, your customers, your direct reports. So right now, again, you're in my home. I'm in your home. How could I not make observations and make comments to best support you, whether you're a prospect or whether you're a direct report? So really, I'm supposed to sit there. And if I'm, um, if I'm working, let's say I'm a manager and you're a direct, you're a salesperson, and I see you and you're working, you know, and you're in your kitchen and your dogs are barking, kids are running around. And, and uh, it looks like you've worn the same shirt for the last week. And, you know, it looks like you haven't showered and there's chaos everywhere. As a manager, am I supposed to say, well, okay, everyone, you know, good job, good meeting. Let's just keep it going. Keep it going, everyone. I'm here if you need any help. Okay, bye. No, managers not only know how to, don't know how to approach it, but they're intimidated because they don't know if they could even have that. Yes, you can. And yes, you can with your customers. And if anyone's thinking here, well, Keith, come on, that's, that's a really personal conversation. That sounds, I mean, I see how I could have it with my peers and direct reports with my customers. You want to develop your competitive edge. You want to foster deeper relationships with your customers and prospects that you never had before. This is how you do it because they're human beings too. And they're suffering and they're struggling and they're feeling isolated and they're feeling alone. So the best salespeople out there and, and best companies realize that in order to achieve success today, we're changing not only what we do, but how we think and the conversations to connect with people in a deeper, more engaging way. Yeah, Keith, I couldn't agree more. And I'm seeing lots of feedback coming in through the like really positive comments coming in through the chat. Um, Fiona saying, teach people how to treat you. Armand saying, powerful open-ended questions, checking in on the basic human needs first. And I'd be saying that's the difference between building rapport versus how the weather, how's the weather conversations. And I 100% agree. And I think right now we're we're sitting at the dinner table with our customer, mm -hmm. right? We're, mm -hmm. we're in their bedroom sometimes, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? We've broken through this kind of third wall um, and we're more intimate than we've ever been before. And um, I know Abby, um, we had an interview with a particular candidate um, for a, a job last week and she was actually holding her baby on her lap. Mm -hmm. And you know, those moments are happening now. They're so transformative and so different to what we've ever encountered before. And they're so powerful. So use and, them. I think. Yeah. And, to your, and to your point, you know, it's, we see that, we know it, but we don't know how. And that's the thing is that, you know, my job is to make everyone's life easier, not more difficult. And the evolution, and we'll talk more about this. Um, the evolution of sales is not more sales training. The evolution of sales is every salesperson becoming a consultative sales coach for their customers because that's what they need most. They don't need to be pitched. They need to be coached. They need to be supported. They need to be advised. Um, so, so, and the same model goes for managers. You know, your people. Um, I, I read uh, this was. I actually did a study. This was several months ago. What is the dominant characteristic that um, you, the universal you, want in a leader? It's not subject matter expertise, wasn't experience, wasn't presence, um, wasn't um, uh, ex experience in the industry. Uh, it was care. The new sales strategy today is care. The new leadership strategy is care. You know, to build off what Dower was saying is that if you, I mean, 
if you're not leveraging what you see in your prospects and your customers and your peers' homes, how can you connect on a deeper level? I mean, I'm sure if we just open up this conversation, there's a lot to talk about here. Chief, where'd you get that? Where's that from? Oh, that's from Argentina. And that's from South, uh, that's from India. Oh, I got that when I was in uh, Egypt. You know, these are opportunities to connect with people on a deeper, intimate level. So take advantage of using your, your eyes when you're, when you're entertaining, when you're pitching, when you're having a conversation, see what's going around. You know, I actually have suggested to salespeople, if you're in a room, put something interesting in front of your prospect's line of vision that they might think was really cool. And all of a sudden having a conversation. Every conversation I've had since I've been zoomed out starts with music. Starts with music. As a matter of fact, Sometimes we don't even talk about business until the last five minutes, but that's what people want most. And I want to reinforce this, Dal, before you shoot me with another question here. This is a scary statistic. 77% of all companies have changed the way they buy. Okay. So 70% of, 77% of all companies have changed the way they buy. They've changed procurement. They've changed uh, the decision-making process, the factors, the criteria, who's involved, okay? Only 17% of companies have changed the way they sell. There's a word for that. That's insanity, okay? Because if we need to now stop and take the time to realign how we sell with how buyers like to buy. And that's, how can you do that if you're not asking questions? And if you're asking questions, then you're coaching. Yeah, so powerful, Keith, and so true. Um, and again, we're, we talk a lot about, I, I know Fiona will, will love this. We talk a lot about clients are looking for soft skills, but we're actually looking for human skills, right? Human connection is really what people are looking for. So, yeah. and, it, it, and it's very difficult. And, and, you know, every organization I've worked with uh, is result driven. How could you not be? You have a target on your back. Okay. You have a number to hit. Oh, I got to hit my number. Got to hit my number. Got to hit my number. You know, it comes as a great cost um, because number one, uh, less than 1% of all companies have a true coaching culture. And I challenge every company on, to challenge me on that. Um, but number two, when, you know, when, when you're talking about working with your customers and you're talking about, you know, Daryl, to your point, this is more intimate than ever. This is that chance to, to, to really put aside your sales hat and put on your, your human hat instead. Yeah, absolutely. Daryl, do you want to um, Sorry, this is just burning in my, in my mind. Keith, I saw that I watched that course on how to deliver perfect um, presentation. Oh to win more sales. And I'd really recommend that to everybody. And I found it so powerful because, you know, some of the points that you made was number one, don't sell how you like to buy. And I know this is one of the pitfalls that, you know, we all make in the sales game. We're like, I like to buy this way. So I'm going to sell this way because I just, I, I assume that that's what the client wants, right? Number two, you spoke about putting your agenda at the door, at the door and, you know, putting your own expectations and, and your own goal at the door. And then you said, um, the other thing that you said was, um, you spoke a lot about confidence, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really important in sales, right? And you, mm -hmm. you spoke about not attaching, as a salesperson, not attaching your confidence to the mm -hmm. results. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more about that. Oh, absolutely. I think today, our, uh, everyone's confidence uh, has been challenged. As a matter of fact, uh, I mean, I got tired of looking online and seeing how CEO confidence is, is at an all-time low. 
I, I want to pin it. I want to just put a pin in that out because I want to finish my other thought about for the salespeople um, that I was sh sharing you with, with a target on your back, you're result driven. And I want to go back to Abby, because it speaks to your point. Um, and Daryl is, it, this is a mindset. If you're result driven, think of the three points in time, past, present, future. If you're result driven, what point in time do you live? You live in the future. Okay. And I'm not talking about physically. I think we would all agree we physically exist in the moment. But mentally, where do you live? I would challenge each person here that, and I'm being generous when I say maybe 5% of your waking hours, you're fully present in the moment. Because we have personal, professional things being pulled at us in a million different ways. It's hard to be in the moment. You know, and that's why, you know, we talk about self-care also. I always take 10 minutes in the morning to do my, my, my morning uh, routine of just five minutes of gratitude and 10 minutes of just deep breathing. And that keeps me focused for the day. So it also keeps me present because if you're result driven, you can't coach your customers. If you're result driven, you can't listen because you're no longer present. What's, what's, what's the definition of selling? The art and language of creating new possibilities. Very simple. What's the definition of coaching? The art and language of creating new possibilities. Okay. So we need to make what is the ultimate goal of any organization is to make your people more valuable. What's the ultimate goal for every salesperson to make your customers more valuable. So now if you, if we stop a second and take and, and look back on just what we covered here, I bet some of you are thinking, you know, Keith, I don't know if I'm comfortable enough to have that conversation, that, that deeper conversation with a customer or someone I don't really know. Well, why? I don't know if I have the confidence to do that. Okay. And Abby, and this is the point I, I, I probably spend more time working with CEOs and directors and salespeople on, on the inner game, uh, often more than their strategy. Fear and confidence is all consuming these days. And uh, confidence, we've been lied to. Okay. Bottom line, we've all been lied to our entire life. Confidence is a social construct. So if everyone's, so every person here, I'm going to share with you in less than three minutes, how you can develop the unconditional confidence of a champion. Okay, here we go. If you look at your confidence, building off what Abby said, okay, here we go. You sold a deal. What happens to your confidence? Goes up. Okay. Wow. Confidence goes up. Feeling, feeling really good. Okay. Feeling confident, feeling I have a strong level of self-worth. Bang. Close another deal. Feeling really, really good. Feeling strong, feeling good about yourself, right? Your confidence is up. Uh-oh, you lost another sale, one that you were counting on this quarter. It hits your confidence. And now your confidence got hit. And now the next presentation wasn't really your best work because you're worried about whether or not you're coming across as perfect as you can. And then your confidence goes down. So notice your you, the universal you, we are tying our confidence to results, okay? So when we get results, when we hit our goals, our confidence goes up. Conversely, if we don't hit our goals, if we miss a sale, if we mess up a meeting, our confidence goes down, okay? That is a roller coaster. That is, that is toxic because we are surrendering our personal power to external situations, everyone, okay? And you know, when we're looking at confidence, confidence is just a choice. 
Okay, one of my favorite quotes by an Arabic philosopher, Hafez, I am happy before I have a reason. I'm happy before I have a reason. I don't need external factors to dictate my happiness. The next car, the next sale, uh, you know, find my soulmate, lose weight, make more money. Those are all conditions of happiness? No, same with confidence. What I don't want for you, and I want you to hear this, is to tie your confidence to your self-worth, okay? Confidence has no relationship now with results. So how's this for a new definition of confidence? I am confident because I'm confident. I am confident because I'm confident and I believe in myself and I have proven myself and my self-worth. Let me say that again. I have proven myself and my self-worth without the evidence to support it. Now, I know that's challenging you because your whole life was say, results, 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 confidence, right? No, no, because when you don't get the result, your confidence takes a massive hit. Hear me when I say you, and I haven't mastered looking at 50 people in the eye at once, you have proven yourself. You already have proven your self-worth, okay? Don't surrender your internal condition. Don't let external factors dictate your internal condition. Now, before we move off this point, I am not suggesting, well, Keith, okay, you're saying, okay, great, I'm confident now and I've proven myself, so pretty much can stop working? No, I'm not saying that. You're still going to strive for excellence. You're still going to strive to be the best version of you you can be. It just has nothing to do with your confidence. And that's the inner game of success right there. That's hugely powerful, Keith. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's something we can all definitely take with us after this. Um, And it's also, you know, in a deal, we always say control the controllables. (laughs) The arc of of sales, like it's the same, you know, not attaching. I love that idea of not attaching it to your self-worth. It's really powerful. Yeah. Um, Well, actually, you you just said something uh, that that I don't want to step over, Daryl. You you mentioned about... um, uh, uh, with confidence and with sales. And you, you said something else that I, I, I didn't want to step over. Can you repeat what you just said? There was something, there was a nugget of Joseph Jewel in there and I wanted to make sure I, I touched on it. Was it control the controllable? Yeah. Thank you very much. See what happens guys when you get older, you have senior moments, all right? Uh, I want to share something here that could literally change your week, your life. Because, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll raise my hand. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I don't suppose there are any other perfectionists or control freaks on this call. Is my sarcasm translated? Okay. Now, my friends, there are only three things in life you can control. There's three. Three things in life you can control. You can control your attitude, your belief system. You can control your actions, your skill sets, um, your conversations and you can control your reactions. Everything else is an illusion. And the irony is we spend our lives trying to control the things we can't than mastering the three things we can. And more than ever, I think those are the three things we need to focus on today. So thank you. Thank you for pulling that out of me, Daryl. See, (laughs) we're thinking alike here, Keith, I love it. 
So also like when we touch on now kind of moving into that sales aspect, cause we have so many salespeople on the call yeah. today. And it's amazing that piece, that nugget you've shared on confidence, but what other common traits and skills do you see in successful sellers or salespeople? Yeah. So if we look at um, uh, when I'm delivering my sales leadership coaching program, okay. Coaching salespeople to sales champions, transformational leadership. That program is virtually the same program I deliver now to salespeople. And I just changed the name to the consultative coach because the, the mindset of seeking to serve stays the same. The skill set of leading with questions rather than answers stays the same. So what did I mention before about the definition of sales? The art of creating new possibilities, the art and language of creating new possibilities well, how do you do that? You need you, the universal you. We need to all learn the language of coaching. It's just like if I wanted to speak, learn French or Italian or Arabic or Urdu, whatever that is, okay, I need to associate that word and that language to the, to my, to the English language, my dominant tongue, right? What I want for each of you is to speak the global language of coaching, all right? So, so it's, it's, coaching your customers, coaching your peers, coaching up. The only thing that changes is the conversation and the people. How you show up isn't changing. Seeking to serve is how you show up every day. Uh, and, and here's the thing, again, and we could touch on fear also because that's the big sabotage uh, of, of, uh, of our efforts as well, is in every conversation for every salesperson, and Abby, you mentioned this before, you know, I turned the whole concept of a presentation upside down because rather than pitch, have a conversation. Rather than pitch, if you have time to pitch and you have time to give an answer, that means you have time to ask a question. And the greatest salespeople I know lead with questions rather than answers. And that speaks to what? Your discovery process. Now, again, I wish we had all day together, but I guarantee if, if the, you sent me your sales script, your sales template, your outline, there are questions in there that because, um, excuse me, there are questions that are not in there. And because they're not being asked, you're making assumptions and you're losing sales. And you're also not doing the best job you can, not just qualifying, but disqualifying people. Now, the worst thing in the world for a salesperson to do is follow up with prospects all day long who they shouldn't be following up in the first place. And the exponential cost is what? You're spending all your day following up with the wrong people and not your time following up with the right ones. And, I, and you know, again, companies, they're, listen, they're doing their best, right? Uh, they're trying to automate things more. They're trying to, they're trying to uh, make things easier. Uh, but automating the wrong thing to do faster doesn't get you where you want to go. You know, the, you know, you... <laughs> And I say this, especially more today, it's true. It's more true than ever. You, you can automate your sales processes, but you can't automate relationships. Yeah, absolutely, Keith. And I think I've just written down, stay curious, because that's something that we really focus on as well. That discovery piece, be genuinely interested in that person you're talking to. You've already touched on it. You know, the human skill of curiosity, of wanting to know about that person what are their what business outcomes are they trying to achieve what's going on in their life what are their pains mm -hmm. um these are some of the things we really need to to focus on and just staying curious you know keep yeah. that innate curiosity on the call 
I actually, I also like to add, uh, um, to make it even more impactful, uh, what I would want for you is to be insatiably curious. Because if any of you have children, you know what I mean. They ask everything. Everything is new. Everything is exciting. Everything is fresh. They ask everything. And then what happens? We get older. We get hardened by our experiences. And we believe that's just how life is. Well, if that was just how life is, everyone, I would be out of a job. Because it's all about creating new possibilities today. <laughs> yeah, and, and you've touched on it as well, just not making assumptions. You know, those well, assumptions, assumptions I could tell you right now, they are the root cause of all evil. And as, as leaders and as salespeople, and I'll say sales leaders to include uh, people leaders and salespeople, uh, if you're not coming from a place of insatiable curiosity, think about it. How you think is what you get. So beliefs precede experience. If you are someone who is insatiably curious, you're going to ask more questions. But as we get older and as we, we say, oh, this is just how life is, we stop asking questions and we take things for just how they are um, without realizing all the miracles and the magnificence that's around us. And we need to remove our blinders. And that's why it comes to coaching your customers and pitching, because this is how we are when we're pitching, right? Okay, here's, here, I got a call. I'm, I'm talking to a prospect. This is where I am now. That's where I need to be at the end of the call. You are no longer present and it is your agenda and you're making it about you and you're not making it about the prospect. And it goes back to Daryl's point and, and uh, Abby's point about you can't sell the way you buy ties together with assumptions. Because if I sold the way I buy, I would be the worst sales coach in the world. Because, um, and I, interestingly, I just had to buy a new car for my wife and uh, we went to the dealership yesterday uh, and uh, I'm the type of person that before I buy anything, I'm doing my research. I'm going to know more about that product or service than the person probably selling it to me, which clearly happened yesterday. Uh, now imagine if I sold that way. Okay, so here we are, right? So uh, uh, Abby, I'm just gonna um, use you as an example, just so I, it's weird just not talking to the, you know, the sky, I'm talking to you directly here. Um, uh, and uh, you know, he, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm having a conversation uh, with, with, with a customer and I'm making all these assumptions in my head of how I like to buy. So this is what it would sound like if, if uh, we're kind of nearing the end of our sales conversation. So Abby, great conversation. Really, really glad we connected. Now, listen, um, I'm sure you're going to want to stop around, right? I'm, I'm sure you're going to want to speak to some other company because that's what I would do, right? I mean, we're not the only game in town. I mean, you got to go out there and see what else is out there. So how about this? How about you take your time? Go out, do your research, okay? Um, call me whenever you're ready, and then we'll figure out the best price. That's sales suicide right there, okay? That's selling the way you buy. But we need to sell the way customers like to buy. And the only way you can uncover that is by asking some really good, open-ended, non-loaded questions. Yeah. I can just imagine, Abby, if someone was, if we were doing our pipeline reviews and <laughs> and everybody had, you know, come back to me whenever. We'd have no dates and time. We wouldn't be able to gauge our pipeline at all. Yeah, um, which leads me to my next question, Keith. Um, you said something around people resist what they hear. Mm, yeah, uh, it's it's actually a conundrum. Um, uh, well, the three parts to it, actually. It's First of all, universal law, um, we attract what we need to learn the most. 
right? So if there are certain lessons coming at you and you're resisting them, they're coming at you for a reason. But And that's the second part. We attract what we need to learn the most, but we also resist what we need to learn the most. So we, it's a conundrum that we need to open up our mind to see why is this lesson showing up? To your point, bringing it to sales, and I, I think it really just drives the whole point of, of coaching and, 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 and the art of, of, of salesmanship home, which is you can pitch all day long. You could stand on your soapbox. You could be the subject matter expert and know more about your product and service than anyone else in the industry. But there's one problem. People resist what they hear, but they believe what they say. So smash your soapbox and start leading with questions because they're going to want, you know, it's, it goes back to objections. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm coaching salespeople on, on overcoming objections, the first thing I ask them is, okay, how do you currently do it? And they would say, well, Keith, first I hear the objection and then I respond. Okay. Um, let me hear your top objections. Okay, here they are. Okay, great. Um, who overcomes an objection? Well, Keith, I do. I'm the salesperson. And eh, wrong answer. Salespeople don't overcome objections. Prospects do. Why? Because it's not your objection. How can you overcome something that's not your challenge? It's theirs. So you, the manage, the salespeople need to seek to understand deeper. So the prospects and the customers have to overcome their objections. How can they do that? They have to self-reflect. Well, how do they self-reflect? By you asking a really good question. You know, and I'll give you an example to be on the court. One of my favorite questions I've been asking uh, since the beginning of time I've sold uh, and more powerful than ever is a real simple question. Go through my, my, my discovery process. At the end, I'll say, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Mr. And Mrs. Prospect, now I really appreciate, you know, taking the time for us based on what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm hearing. Here's where your challenge is. Uh, I'm curious, if nothing changes, how will this impact your business in two months from now? If you still are dealing with the same problem in three months, where are you going to be at the end of the year? If nothing changes on how you are upgrading the way you train, educate, coach, uh, reinforce your people, whether it's a hybrid model, online, uh, asynchronous courses, face-to-face, -face, how is that going to impact your business? How is that going to impact you personally. Notice what I did. I brought that all the way down to the personal level. Hits them right here. Because every person that you're speaking with that's making that purchasing decision, that's scary for them. Because they don't want to look bad. And I make sure every one of my clients looks great. And they like to hear that. I, I'm going to make you look great. Okay? And because it's fearful for them. They're the ones making the decision for a company or a product or service. So again, this is, this is where it separates you to get deeper into those conversations by asking those questions, putting those assumptions aside. So a great exercise that I would share um, that, that I would encourage everyone to do is this. Write down all the assumptions that salespeople make about their prospects. Write down all the assumptions salespeople make about their products and services. Write down all the assumptions your prospects make about you. After you write these down and you will have a healthy list, take each one of those assumptions and make sure you have a question in your qualifying process 
that's going to address it because you are either assessing it to get the facts or you're assuming it. Jeff, I can't wait for us all to do that exercise. I think that's something really valuable that we can roll out directly from this. And again, and, and that, well, Darryl, if you can, then I have to add more to it. How about this? How about since we also want to break, break down departmental silos uh, and, and, and build our, our, you know, we have our external customers and our internal customers, you guys build the relationships. How about this one? Write down the assumptions you make about your peers. Write down the assumptions you make about your boss. Managers, write down the assumptions you make about your directs. Everyone, write down the assumptions you make about engineering. <laughs> you know, it, it, I'm telling you guys now, your head's going to be like, oh my, I literally have like a hundred assumptions listed here. And you're thinking, I really have to, I can't make any assumptions at all. Come on. We need to make certain baselines assumptions to move business forward. Baseline, but not things like how they buy, okay? How they bought, okay? What are the factors that they use to make a decision? Okay, those are the things that are unique for every person that we have to explore. I love it, Keith. Solid gold you're touching <laughs> on here. I'm, I'm loving it. It's music to my ears. And again, you're linking. Wait, did, you just say, wait, did you just say music? Here? No pun intended, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're both music fans, eh? Um, I think the, like, again, you just touched on it earlier in the call, but again, it's being present and staying mm. insatiably curious. You know what I mean? You're, if you're making assumptions, you're not curious. You're not genuinely having that engaging conversation with the prospect on the other side of the, the call, you know? Well, um, and I have a definition of assumptions, you know, an assumption, I have two actually. An assumption is basically a past experience that we had that we then project as a future negative expectation. You wanna overcome fear, everyone? You wanna become fearless? What I just shared with you is the definition of fear. Past negative experience, projected as a future negative expectation. What's missing everyone? The present. Fear can't touch you if you're in the moment because most people don't realize fear is two-dimensional, okay? And most people don't realize fear is your ally, not your adversary. It's a strength, not a weakness. Um, most people look at fear as, oh, well, no, no, no. The fear, you know, it really holds me back, but Stop and ask yourself, what's really holding you back? As I said, what if I told you that fear isn't real? Wait a second, Keith. Fear is real. I feel it. That's right. Because there's two parts of fear. There's that which you fear. And then there's the feeling of fear that manifests physiologically in our body. You know, before we maybe deliver a presentation, you know, get butterflies in our stomach or, you know, sweaty palms. That is a physical manifestation of fear, which is very real. But that which you fear is never real because it's an, it's an assumption of what may happen in the future. And if we're playing around with assumptions, everyone, why don't we make a positive assumption then? Okay, we could do that, but here's the thing. And you know, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation here. I'm gonna make an assumption right now. And I'm gonna make an assumption everyone on this call does not have their personal vision written down especially since the pandemic. I'm going to make an assumption you haven't created your family vision since the pandemic. I'm also going to make an assumption that you haven't revisited your core values and priorities and wrote those down with the people you love so that you're staying focused and centered. Because if you don't have that, 
your dreams, your goals, your passions in front of your line of vision, and you're very clear with what you fear, your dreams and goals don't stand a chance. You're always going to default to fear. It's like the person, um, uh, hey, oh, I'm scared of dogs. Why are you scared of dogs? Well, because when I was younger, I got bit by a dog, past experience, and I'm afraid of that happening again. Future negative expectation. So not only can you now build the uh, unconditional confidence of a champion, now you can become fearless. That's hugely powerful, Keith. And I think it's something probably my team here we say all the time is like where your energy flows, where attention goes. Mm. You know what I mean? You have to set mm. that positive intention and live through it. And, and as you said, stay in the presence as well. It's so powerful. And it's so difficult. It is so, listen, uh, you know, I spend an hour talking about being present. You know, I don't want to do, I don't want to do this conversation a disservice for you. Uh, and I'm happy to share some resources for everyone. So, so, um, so that you have you have it to, to complement what we're talking about today. So Daryl, uh, Abby, I'll send you uh, some follow-up resources based on what we talked about today. Uh, being present is really hard. Being present is really hard. And unfortunately, it's typically the, the, the bad experience that kind of smack us back into reality uh, for us to focus on what's most important. And that's why um, where maybe 10 years ago, I wouldn't share it, but now it's so important that we take care of ourselves that I share my morning routine. Before I get out of bed, I do five minutes of gratitude. Thank, thank you, God. Doesn't matter what religion you believe in. Thank you, God, for, for having a home. Thank you, God. My beautiful wife is next to me, healthy. Thank you, God. I have legs to walk. Thank you, God. I have eyes to see. Thank you, God. I have three beautiful children downstairs. Okay, because we don't appreciate those things until they're taken from us. And then I go into my office and just like, literally, you're seeing me here, what I do. I sit just like this, I close my eyes and I take 40 deep breaths. Now, why am I giving you a number? Because I could say, do it for five minutes or 10 minutes. Do it, take 40 deep breaths. I guarantee you in through your nose, out through your mouth, I guarantee you, you will feel centered and focused for the rest of your day. Because every time I don't do that, I feel off. I'm not present. I know, oh, I didn't do my meditation this morning. I didn't do my routine. Amazing. I can see in the chat, we're getting lots of positive feedback again. Um, Kevin saying, when I read in your book, my mind exploded. Of course, it's the prospect that needs to overcome their objection. And Susan saying, best advice ever for life, career, wellness. Oh, game changer. Really powerful stuff there, Keith. Um, so within, if we stay kind of within that sales piece um, and just look at one more question within it, I think, how can we better qualify the right prospects? Mm, wow. Uh, well, I would have to ask, I'll put my coaching hat on because I can never really take it off. But before you could qualify a prospect, I would need to know what your ideal prospect looks like. Okay, so can you guys shoot me your uh, Word document of your profile, of your ideal client profile? Do you have that in front of you? Maybe? Some of you? Oh, okay. Sounds like a coaching moment. And how about this? You got your ideal client profile of what they do. Again, I'm not a man of making assumptions, but what about who they are? You have the list of what they do. Okay, here's the ideal, here's the ideal prospect. Size of company, industry. Number of employees, number of seats, number of licenses, all oh, right, business. That's what, that's what, that's do they fit your business model? 
But how about who they are? The characteristics of the people you like to work with, you want to work with. You know, are they collaborative? Are they coachable? Are they open to new ideas? Are they honest? Are they ethical? You know, is it someone that you really want to work with? Now, listen, I, I'm telling every company, there's a lot of business out there. There's a lot of business to be had out there, everyone. Okay. And, and I learned a long time ago, if you want to build a business or career that you hate, just work with customers you can't stand. Okay. There's enough of them out there. And, you know, Daryl, to build up your point, how do we qualify better? That's step one. And then to me, it's, it's, it's taking each one of those qualification points. And again, just like what we did with the assumptions, do you have a question that's going to give you the information that will allow you to assess whether or not they are a fit for you? Now, keep in mind, you might have 20 different uh, criteria for your ideal prospect or customer. However, every prospect is not going to be 100% fit. So you're going to have some non-negotiables on that list. So after you make it, what are the non-negotiables that that prospect must have in order for me to want to do business with them? See, isn't that interesting? The interview process goes both ways. Goes both ways. You know, I'll say it in a different way. Um, I've been asking, you know, you, Darryl, just to, again, um, trying to be relevant here. I, I've been asking a lot of clients, um, what would make you a great client? Now, Anyone here asking that question? A lot of salespeople would, would, wouldn't because like, Keith, what would make them a great client? But I'm the one selling them. No, no, no. You're the one that's impacting their lives. You're the one that's changing lives for the better. You're the one that's helping people grow personally and professionally in their careers to create the life that they want. That's what you're selling, okay? So you're telling me when you wake up in the morning, that's what you come from in your mind. And that's why salespeople ask the wrong questions. Managers ask the wrong questions when they wake up in the morning. They ask themselves, okay, what can I do to hit my business objectives today? That's the wrong question. The right question is, what can I do to make myself, my, my peers, and my customers more valuable today than they were yesterday. That's the mindset of a transformational coach and a salesperson. I think we can just get a big round of applause now from everybody <laughs> on the call. That's amazing, Keith. And something that really speaks to us um, here at Udemy because, you know, having self-led education or learning is, it provides opportunity, right? It means people can access you know, um, and democratizes learning. It really allows them to live whatever life they want to lead. You know what I mean? It's just so powerful. Oh, and Daryl, you know, I will say, and um, in case anyone's wondering, I only build my online courses on Udemy. I don't mess around with any other platforms. I'm just saying. But what's really cool is I love, and I know, you know, I've had the blessing of traveling the world, but I love when I get my, my daily or weekly um, Udemy autoresponder auto email, it says, look of the impact that you made. I love, I'm just going to feed that to you guys. I love that because then I look, I'm, I'm getting sh literally shivers up my spine as I'm saying this because it'll show me how many people I just impacted, how many people signed up, where, in what part of the world, people I would never be able to connect with or be able to help all the way on the other side of the world, which I've been, but 
Now they have access to information and experts that you were providing them. Oh, come on. You guys, you guys have the best job in the world. You have the same job I have. You may not realize it. We have the same job. We wake up to try to make people more valuable every day. We wake up trying to improve lives. And if you don't feel that way, then you're not coaching. You're doing something else. Just amazing. Can we just record that, I think, and put it on <laughs> all our calls? I think that's so, that really helps us so much, Keith. Um, and I want to be really conscious of your time, you know, just to make sure, because you're, you're sharing so much with us and you've given us this hour out of your day, which we really appreciate. Um, so what would be your, your parting advice, I suppose? What does it mean to live with intention and design your ideal mm. life? Mm. Can you leave us with a kind of a snippet to help us carry this good vibe you've given us in the last yeah. hour on for the rest of our day and life? Yeah. So, um, big question there. That's a meaty one. Um, I would, okay, what I personally do, and I've shared with you my morning routine, is, um, and, and again, 99% of the world will say, no, I don't have this to the question I'm about to ask you, which is how many of you have a daily routine that from the time you wake up until the time you go to sleep has every single activity blocked out that you need to engage in, in order to reach your business goals while honoring your priorities and your personal values. I don't get a lot of yeses from that. As a matter of fact, I don't recall maybe in 33 years ever getting a yes. And if I ever got a yes, I would ask that person to send me their, their calendar and it would kind of look like, a, I'm trying to find, imagine I'm holding up a blank piece of paper, okay? That's what most calendars look like. And it's, you know, meeting, 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 meeting all over the place. And I would, I would always ask a client, Okay, send me your calendar. You want to be coached on time management? Let me see how you're managing your day. They send me the calendar. That's what it looks like. We get on the coaching session and uh, I would say to my client, wow, you have so much free time on your hands. And they would say, Keith, what are you talking about? I'm booked back to back. I got my kids in the morning. I got a daycare, dogs, um, I, you know, other responsibilities, parents, you know, I, you know, I, 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 have, I have my personal responsibilities, I, I, emails, I presentations, follow-up calls I have to make, administrative work. What do you mean? Well, I'm just looking at your calendar. It seems like you got a lot of white space in there. And, and, and here's a great mantra. If you don't have the appointment, you don't have the commitment. Okay. So yeah, easy for you to sprinkle what we need to do for business there, but put your life first. Put your life first and schedule what will give you at the end of the day, a sense of fulfillment, satisfaction, and purpose, not just from business, but because you're honoring what's most important in your life and you're not putting your life on pause, waiting for things to get better. Guys, this is it here. This is it. Today's your day. You know, the choices you made yesterday is what created your life today. The choices you make today is what's going to create your life tomorrow. Today's your day. Choose. I just have nothing to follow that up now, Keith. That's hugely <laughs> powerful. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Um, I really, really appreciate you taking this hour out of your day, Keith. I mean, we had over 40 or 50 people, I think, on the call. I'm getting a huge amount of messages 
here just saying the value that people took from this. Oh, great. Um, thank you so much. If everyone oh, could come up and just give Keith a thank oh. you and a round of applause. Oh, um, thank you guys. Value Appreciate it. Huge. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to contribute to you guys. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, like it or not, I'm your coach for life. So number one, send me a LinkedIn connection so we're all connected on LinkedIn. I'm posting new content on LinkedIn, tons on Twitter as well. I want to also give everyone here my personal information if you need me. My personal email is kr at keithrosen.com. Okay? kr at keithrosen.com. My my mobile number is 516-231-2774. 516-231-2774. For those of you that are wondering why would I give this out, it's because what kind of coach would I be if I wasn't taking the unconditional stand for you? Okay, we don't get tested on our good days, everyone. We get tested on our challenging days. That's why they're called challenging days. And I want everyone here to know that you have someone in your corner unconditionally, other than the great leaders of Udemy. If you need me, don't be a stranger. Everyone does better when they have someone in their corner, okay? So feel free to shoot me a text with questions, shoot me an email with questions. I am happy to support you any way I can. Thank you, Keith. And as someone who's benefited from our relationship as well, I can't recommend that highly enough. Please do, I'll share your information again with everybody in case they didn't get to write it down, but I highly recommend it. Thanks a million, Keith. Oh, thank um, you, everyone. Thank you, really Keith. Really enjoyable session. It. I really appreciate it. My time, everyone. Happy selling. Remember the ABCs of leadership and sales. Always be coaching. <laughs> thank Have you. a great day, everyone. See you Perfect. soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Keith. Bye. Thank you.